When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, movie friends? Welcome back to Letterboxd Recap, and we got some big news. James is back in the studio. The king is back, everybody. Hey, I'm, I'm the king. Here. I am back in my throne. We're co-kings. I'm back on my iron throne. The only king in this podcast studio. What are you a me. king of? I'm the king of the show. <laughs> just, I'm the king you just of walked everything. In from, you came home from England. You just kept shouting that you're the king. I am a king now. <laughs> I was there for a whole month, and now I'm royalty. I'm a monarch. <laughs> <laughs> says who says me <laughs> in england it's good to be back well uh, yeah you haven't been in a letterbox episode in over a month i know right it's just been i was so busy making a movie man it was intense did you watch any movies since you were so busy i only watched i there's one night where i got maybe 15 of the crew and we watched the thing oh it was like the second week of january but i Besides that, I didn't watch a single movie until my flight's back to L.A. and I watched three movies. That's amazing. But I, we watched the thing. A bunch of people had never seen it before. I'm like, oh, we're watching the thing tonight. We had a night off. It was it was nice. But You broke their thing, Cherry. I broke their thing, Cherry. That's it's a, a big weird, deal. It's a weird thing to say. Well, for any cinema lover, that's a big deal. True. That is, a, that is true. But th- just the sentence subjectively is an odd thing. Yeah, it is. But I am back. I had a wonderful experience making a fucking Viking movie in England with some great friends and... I have so many stories, and I would love to have the director of the movie on the show. Uh, he's a friend of ours, and I think it'd be such a fun episode to just talk about everything that went well, as well as the many things that went wrong, and the many fires that had to be put out on a daily basis on the shoot. You told me a few things, and it sounded like fucking chaos. It was chaos, and you know, it, it, since I was AD, I was basically in charge. So it was just, it was a stressful but incredible month, and it was insanely busy. It was so cold. And muddy out in the. I was out in the mud night, for three weeks. At I, was night. Out, I was out in the mud in England in January for three weeks. You exteriors. had some cold, great cold gear on. You had you came home with these amazing waterproof boots and everything. That wa- huge jacket, waterproof boots, yeah. waterproof pants, waterproof jacket, waterproof everything. Because we got really fortunate. It really only rained once while we were shooting. It rained a bunch when we were doing some pre-production stuff like set building and and, and location scouting. Mm-hmm. But then when people started showing up and filming began, we only had really one day of rain, and it wasn't even that bad. We got so lucky because it was England in January. You'd think rain every day. But then we did have the elements of it was insanely cold for about a week when we were shooting outdoors and, you know, shooting all day and all night. It was, it was pretty rough some nights, but we, we made, made it through it. The irony is that it was raining a lot in January here in L.A. How ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> now, this is a feature film, right? Oh, it's a feature, baby. Feature film. Damn. Feature film. Probably wow. be like an hour 40. And I hear you got some great uh, cameos of killing people and I, getting killed. Well, I have three cameos in the film. I don't want to spoil what they are, but <laughs> I did some stunts. I'm I'm a stuntman now. So not only am I a king now, I'm also a stuntman, stuntman James. <laughs> stuntman um, James. So I, I, will, get you a stuntman I will be credited as a stunt performer. Nice. So I got... I got clothesline. I got stabbed. It was pretty fun. (laughs) (laughs) You could have him send me the video of you getting clotheslined. Well, I don't. There's no behind the scenes video of it. Ah, too bad. We can get some stills for you when we start editing it. But we did a bunch of crazy stunts. Like Mm -hmm. it's gonna blow people's hair back. The how crazy this movie is gonna be for how cheap we cheaply we shot it. 
And I mean, we lit people on fire. We had had someone fall 26 feet from a tree. God. We we were doing wire rigs, pulling people high in the air, pulling people sideways, doing mm-hmm. dead man's, doing all, all sorts of crazy cool stunts. We had about, for a week, we had 43 people on set and about 30 of them were stunt performers. It was madness. And you had to organize all of them. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> Meanwhile, me and Juno are chilling watching movies here. Oh, uh, yeah, but I had so much fun. <laughs> I had so much fun. There was a lot of sleepless nights uh, between me and the director. <laughs> there was a lot of... A lot of things went really wrong. Mm-hmm. No one got... Well, there were injuries. <laughs> <laughs> you were about to say no one got hurt, but you're like, no, people got hurt. Yeah, yeah, people got hurt. Nobody died. Wait, no one yeah, died. People, people no died. One died. <laughs> there were a couple of A&E visits, which is the emergency room out there. <laughs> That's what it's called. Like, A&E? Yeah, A&E. A&E. So instead of the ER, like uh-huh. we call it in America, the emergency room in England, I think it was called A&E. A&E. And A- <laughs> awful emergency? <laughs> it was so funny. Our medic... Got sent to the hospital. It also sent someone to the hospital. <laughs> she was also a stunt performer, but it was just, it was a crazy day. That all happened in one day. Your medic died. I have so many stories to tell, but I want Nathan to come on the show, who's the right director of the of the movie, and I think we would have a blast. We could do it for like four hours. I think everybody is very curious to hear it all was, about it. It was insanely fun, and I already miss being on set so much. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. Well, everyone missed you, and I know that a lot of people are glad that you're back. Yeah, I missed everyone. I missed yeah. doing the show. I missed you. I missed Juno. I, remember, I would send you photos of Juno, and you would get all sad. You only sent me one or two. I needed I sent more. You a few. I needed <laughs> you more, could have asked me for more. I would have sent you more. Well, listen, man. I expect you to read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Another really exciting thing, other than James getting back, is the super secret project that we've been talking about for months. The super secret huge thing. Insanely super secret. And I love a lot of people have been like DMing at like trying to figure it out and nobody's even gotten close. Some people like, just tell me, I won't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we signed a heavy NDA so we could never tell. But a lot of people were speculating if it was the movie you were working on, it actually was not. So if you've seen our social media, if you've seen our Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, you'll know that we actually partnered with PlayStation to host a series of episodes about The Last of Us Part Two Remastered. With Naughty Dog and Sony is amazing. It was a fantastic experience. They they booked out this huge soundstage. They built a living room set inside of the soundstage. So James and I were walking into this. We were like, they asked us if they if we could possibly use our studio for the entire event. We were like, yeah, but it's too small. But that made us think like, okay, that's not going to be that big a deal. And then we get to the at the call time, we get to the location, and it's a Quixote. Soundstage, like it's a, that's a big film production brand, massive. And then we walk inside, and there is a perfect looking living room set that they built inside of this huge soundstage. And then there are chairs for like all the execs of the companies. And they were like, There's a crew of 20 people, and they were like ushering us with walkie talkies. We got hair and makeup done. There's a wardrobe stylist who, who costumed us for all four episodes. There was a massive crew, and it was just like an unbelievable experience, and it blew all of our expectations out of the water. And on top of that, it went really well. Yeah, we hosted several episodes, and they'll be posting weekly. The first one is live. I'll put a link to it in the description of this episode, but also it's all over our social media. Yeah. We would love if you could go check it out, but also we'd really appreciate if you could leave comments on our social media posts so that Sony hires us again. <laughs> <laughs> like on TikTok, go watch the videos on TikTok that we're posting. Leave some comments, share them. Same thing with Instagram. And YouTube shorts, that'd be super helpful. But the episodes we'll be posting on PlayStation's YouTube channel. Episode one is out now. We talked to the game director of the remaster, Matthew Gallant, who pioneered the remastered version of part two. 
and he was a lovely guy to chat with and a lot of fun. We got cool behind the scenes stuff, but it, it was a surreal experience. And finally, we've been able to talk about it. You know, it's been secretive for about four, three months from now. Yeah. You know, we signed NDAs back. First in week no- of December is when we filmed it. But we filmed, we signed NDAs back in October and November. Yeah. So we haven't been able to talk yeah. about it for so long. And we've just been so excited to share it with everybody. And it's been an awesome experience. And to finally show the world and to show all the followers and everything. And everyone's so excited. And, the family's all excited, and we couldn't even tell anyone in our family. We didn't tell anyone. <laughs> Janice didn't even know. So it's been crazy, and there'll be several episodes, and we can't wait for you to check it out. And hopefully we can do more stuff with, like this again because I love I love talent stuff. I love being on camera. Oh, my God. We were like the the bell of the ball. The, the bell, bell of the, the ball. ball. <laughs> <laughs> we fucking killed it, not going to lie. Like we got – it was fun getting hair and makeup done. Like they, they took care of us. Like they made sure we were always like eating or if we needed anything. And it was fun like being ushered. They would be like – all right, the boys are heading to set. The boys, boys are, are heading to set. The boys are heading to set. Clear a path. Clear. Walkie talk in and over and out. Boys are heading to set. Take the boys out. Get the get rid of the boys. It was so fun, man. And then uh, the, the makeup process was fun too. It was just like getting your hair done, getting your makeup done. I looked so good. <laughs> I looked really good in the first episode. You looked great. You had a great great outfit. That jacket. I need that. It's this awesome maroon varsity jacket, but it was corduroy. And I should have bought it off this stylist. Too much money at, at the moment? I didn't even ask about it. Because mm-hmm. I bought another jacket off her, and she gave us a bunch of free Yeah, the clothes. red looks good yeah, on you. I, I bought the blue jacket, but the red looks sick. And such an odd thing. I feel like we're living in a simulation because I was on Instagram yesterday looking at a video, uh, looking at a reel. It was some stupid reel of some guy at a gas station like making a joke. <laughs> and he's wearing the same fucking jacket. What? And I couldn't believe it. Wow. I could not believe it. This very specific, unique maroon corduroy varsity jacket with specific stripes and it was the same one i I thought i was like gonna die i'm like this is a simulation that means you should buy it life is not real no you should buy it It, it, that's i'll try to find it some i don't know what it's called i don't know where it is that's fatalism right there you'll find it but it was it was a weird experience that is bizarre seeing that post is bizarre yeah and that episode she gave me a button up but it was too revealing of my chest hair so she had me wear a a t-shirt under it i was wearing a wife beater with that jacket only like it was i looked very italian yeah but my (laughs) that button up it showed way too much like deep chest hair she was like she was like let's put a t-shirt under there i was like yeah it's probably best we don't want to scare anyone (laughs) we don't want to distract the world when they're trying to watch this video It's crazy how long, how young we look with the makeup on because I don't look tired. They spend a lot of time with the under eye makeup. Yeah, I'm like an unusual amount of time. I'm like we must look very tired. Like no, no, no. The rest no. of the face, a um, couple minutes under the eyes, about five minutes each eye. <laughs> it was so fun, and it, you know, I thought I'd be nervous during it, but I, I wasn't really nervous at all. And we just we locked in, man, and we just took control of that whole thing. And they put it. It's uh, kudos to PlayStation and and Naughty Dog for just putting it on our shoulders and letting us go with it because. We did a really great job, I think, for what we were supposed to, for what they wanted. And yeah, they I put mean, they invested a lot into it. Yeah, it was a very so there was a lot. It was in a high budget. It was intimidating when we first walked in the door, but once and it was it was I wasn't intimidated. I was like, holy shit, this yeah. is crazy. This is massive. But once we sat down, it was fine. It was just like another day in the office. I think also the co- the living room setting made it very comfortable. Oh yeah, the, the cozy. set was great because we went there and so they built a great set, but they they scoured stores like Target and Bed- Bath & Beyond and a bunch of others, and they got, like, hundreds of pieces. How of- do you know? Because I was talking to the PA. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so, like, how could you possibly know this? If you remember, so outside of the soundstage, there was, like, all this homeware yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there was, like, decor. still tons of lamps and decor. So what they did was they, their crew just bought a ton of stuff at stores, and then they spent the entire day before decorating the set. 
and then there's still just so much leftover home decor. Um, but so, but great coffee table. Yeah, the coffee, yeah, coffee table. Nice. Yeah, it's like the when you slice a, a tree up. Yeah, and it's like a a chunk of the tree. It was low. It was perfect flat top. Height. Like yeah, those I liked are, it a lot. Yeah, the set looked amazing. Like just the couch the set. was the couch was cozy, but. You it was sunk deep. deep. You had to put pillows behind you. You sunk in, yeah. like in a nightmare. Especially the girls because like... they were little, so like they like disappeared in the couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But it was so much fun, and they they had little sprinkled little de- details about the game and show, little pieces of the set. They had the. Uh, I always sneeze in the studio. I think it's just so dusty back it's here. Dusty. Yeah. They had the pun book in there. They had little things hidden around the set that was also great. And yeah, at least puns shot with great cameras, and we also ga- did gameplay with it as well. So. I'm so glad I spent two weeks before the job fucking playing The Last of Us Part 2 like six hours a day. Like, I breezed through that well, thing. I'm glad you finally played it, too. It was a lot of fun, and I also I got very good at it. And I'm so glad because there were some moments where I was playing some intense footage, and I did pretty well. And if I wasn't very good, it would have looked awful. Yeah, it was it was really convenient because when they called us months ago about the job, we didn't know. When, we, when they first contacted us, we didn't know what it was going to be for, what company it was for. And then they slowly gave us little nuggets as we signed NDAs. Then we found out that it was for The Last of Us Part Two. I'm like, hell yeah, I've played Let's that go! game. Let's go! I just played it like two months before, and I loved it. And Or no, I, I played it in January. In you played it, yeah, earlier in the year. And uh, I really loved Part 1 and Part 2. And so I, I played it again just to refresh my memory. So I was, I was like, thank God we've played this game. <laughs> because like, we're, look, we're, look we're like, people. oh, yeah, we're big-time gamers. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're, we're not huge gamers, but that's, a, that's yeah. those games I've played. Yeah. And I know them really well. And they're still fresh in my mind. I actually I did episodes on them, so it was really a perfect situation. Honestly, it was fantastic. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm. I love. I've played the game so much, and I hope to God we can do more stuff like that. And maybe with that advertising company or, or even a PlayStation. It was, it was so much fun. But well, we can bill ourselves with this out. We can bill ourselves to people as hosts true. of events. And technically, even though we're not SAG, that is a union production. Maybe we can get our SAG cards. Well, don't you need two speaking? You need two speaking roles. Yeah. Oh, so that would two episodes. Two episodes. Yeah. Holy shit! If it's a union job, then we could probably apply for SAG cards. That's not a bad idea. We're gonna have to look into this. Yeah. Once might. it all airs, like we can look into it in March. I'm gonna be an actor now. <laughs> I'm an actor. I decided at the age of 33 to be an actor. <laughs> Never too late, bro. Morgan Richard Freeman. Jenkins, man. Dude was nah, acting. I don't, for... I don't know if I'd want to be an actor. I because I did some acting on the movie, and one of the scenes I really enjoyed doing. One of them I didn't. You how many lines did you have? Uh, no lines at all. Uh-huh. My three cameos, zero lines. Mm-hmm. Completely different looks. But the second one, the first, the, the the second part that I did in the Viking movie was just a bad guy getting killed, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. No lines at all. Just acting, like nonverbal acting, and then getting murdered. And then the second, I mean, the third cameo I did, same kind of thing, but different setting and contemporary setting. Um, modern day, and I got to stab someone repeatedly with a knife, <laughs> and I was told that my performance was too real. <laughs> you actually killed the person. I actually killed them. <laughs> How'd you do that with a plastic knife? Don't so, worry about so I, it. But I didn't have any lines in that scene either. But it was still, that was really fun. Like, I really enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed doing the stunts. I was just, I did. I they had me do too many that I was not prepared for and I'm like I'm not a stunt guy now I am mm-hmm. you know I'm stunt, <laughs> stuntman James now <laughs> but you know I was in the scene I'm like hope, I hope I'm not ruining this ruining the scene but it was a lot of fun it was wow. doing the stunts was a lot of fun but I had to do a bunch of 
dodging and, and stunt acting before I actually got killed. I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> so is that – that's deterred you from wanting to be an actor? Not that, just – What was it then? I don't know. I don't I don't feel like I would want to be an actor. Just the pressure of everyone looking at you. For no, it. no, no. Because I, I love doing on-camera talent Yeah. versus acting. Yeah. I'd rather do on-camera talent, mm -hmm. which I adore. I have so much fun doing that. Like the, the Last of Us game nights was so fucking fun. Yeah. I had an absolute blast. It's not that I love attention. It's just the acting part of it, I would much rather be behind the camera doing. You know, I'd rather be directing or directing an actor versus acting, if that makes sense. But for something nonfiction, you know, for a movie or TV show, or, or like, I don't know, for a TV show, I'd do no problem. I actually, I totally understand because the entire PlayStation job, it was a breeze. But the only difficult parts were the pre-written lines that we had to say to camera. Oh, that was fine for me. That was, was just tough for me. Yeah, that, that I had no problem with really. I was just trying to get it down because I have experience doing that. I, f I feel like for me, it's just I get really anxious watching myself act mm -hmm. if I'm not in the moment, it's fine, but watching myself on screen, if I'm acting versus on-camera hosting, mm -hmm. I get super anxious. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I cringe watching myself act. Me too. Even though I'm probably I cringe fine. watching you act too. Oh, shut the fuck up, bitch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're, you're a great you're, actor. You're lucky you're, you're, you're seven feet away from me. I was like, slap you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing stopped me from getting up except for fear. There's a coffee table in the middle. We're in the middle of an episode. I can't be you – know, I'm chilly. Sounds I like a bunch of excuses. I just don't want to hurt you, man. <laughs> you're a stuntman now. You I'm know just, you're – Exactly. You, you I, can handle yourself. You don't understand what I'm capable of now. <laughs> you dodged a couple of fake punches. Um, and a sword. <laughs> Anthony, like, have you ever dodged a sword? No, I have. <laughs> I'll tell you about it. <laughs> it ain't easy. All right, let's get into the uh, letterbox recap of this episode. And so, I did watch some movies. We'll talk not in the last. Well, except for my flight, I watched a bunch. But I did not watch that many movies this week because I've been grinding on the podcast with a bunch of editing. But I did get a couple watches in. I got one, two, three, four watches in this week. All time low. That's an all time low for Anthony right there. Yeah. He's t I have more than you. I know it's crazy, right? Well, I'm I'm taking one that I watched from the twelfth, but also I did watch four in the last week. Wow! All right, let's get into my first watch. I watched the best poker movie of all time. James, can you guess what it is? Rounders. Yes, sir. Four and a half stars. And I wrote, "It's not about how much you win. It's how much. It's about how much you can walk away from." This movie is just really perfect, and for the world of poker, it was in at its fever pitch in this time in the late '90s, early 2000s. Fever pitch. Everybody was watching the World Series of Poker on ESPN, and everybody was playing poker just for fun with their pals. It was really a sensation in the culture that kind of definitely died out the last 20 years. But I yeah, remember, I think because so much of it is online now. Yeah, so much is online. It's, it's a completely different thing. But it was still a fascinating sport a thing to watch, and they did a great job with this film. The script's tight. Matt Damon is just one of the most reliable actors in history. He's so great. The cast is fantastic. Famke Jansen. Edward Norton, John Malkovich, there's just so many. John Turturro, amazing ensemble cast in this film. I love the New York feeling. It, it kind of has like timeless quality to it with the cinematography and the style, the music. It feels like it could have made made in the 70s. And I like the Matt Damon character because generally in these kinds of movies, it's a tough guy in the lead. But that Matt's uh, more of an intellectual player than he is a tough guy. And so I like that difference in the archetype of a kind of mo a gambling movie uh, but it's just a fantastic film 
hits all the right beats. It's a fun watch. It's super rewatchable. I haven't seen it in years, but I've seen it. We've seen, seen it many times. Um, watched but, all the time when we were kids. Yeah, watched all the time as kids, honestly. Um, but we love Rounders, and it, it still holds up for sure. His character's excellent because it opens with him with the big loss. Yeah. And then he tries to shun poker and gambling from his life. He tries to give it up and goes to study law. That's where he meets his girlfriend. Yes. And then he's pulled back into it because of his friend Worm getting out of prison and putting you know money on his tab, basically. And he becomes responsible for Worm and Worm's actions and Worm's losses. And so even though he's always been tempted to go back, he has a reason he, he has to go back now. But while he's forced to go back into gambling and poker, he falls back in love with it again and realizes, you know, I am special. I got something that no one else has. I have potential to be an all-time great. I have potential to win the World Series of Poker in Las Vegas. And he always, because of that big loss, he doubted himself. He didn't think he was special anymore. But, you know, he's a character who has a gift. And he really is probably the best poker player possibly in the country, maybe in the world but he just doesn't know it yet. It takes him mm-hmm. all these experiences to, to come to terms with that. The main theme for his character is he's not being true to who he is when he abandons poker because yeah. he's a poker player. And he learned. He, I think it took him the whole movie to figure out what his biggest mistake was, was arrogance in the opening when he when he loses. You know, it's his arrogance, I'm the best, no one can beat me, which caused him causes that big loss and caused him to turn away from poker. Yeah, it was arrogance and also, but also he 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 thought that because he lost, it was his fault. But in, in reality, it was just like, it was just a bad hand, yeah. ultimately. And True. then that gave him the confidence to be like, I can beat him. It's not because he's better than me. It was, just, it was just like, it was a bad card deal. That's all it was. Shit happens. Shit happens. Chance comes into play. Even though, yeah, the character talks so much about yeah. how chance is a thing. You can beat it. You he can got beat it. on Pocket Rockets because uh, Matt had a straight in the opening hand. And Malkovich had Pocket Rockets and the turn was an, an ace. So he got three of a kind aces that beat Damon. Pocket Rockets, baby. All right, what was your first watch over in the England? So, like I said, several of us had a night off, and a lot of The people... only night off? <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple nights off here and there. Uh, towards the end of the shoot, we did. But we had a night off. We were in Silverstone, which is a beautiful part of the country, on this massive farm, mm-hmm. working farm, where we shot lots of great exteriors. You were in, like, mostly northern England most of the time? We were in the north and the south. Mm-hmm. We were all over the place. I mean, nice. we shot near Wales at one point. We wow. shot... In Reading, we're in Liverpool, mm-hmm. Silverstone, Coventry, uh, we Leeds. We were all over the country. Nice. So this is when we were in Silverstone, beautiful farm, and they had this tiny TV <laughs> up in a living room den, and there were maybe twelve of us that got together to watch it one night. And while some other people were out doing, uh, there's transportation happening. People mm-hmm. were getting picked up from airports for the next day, and we had a night off. And I was, people were like, "We should watch a movie." I'm like, "Yeah, what do you guys want to watch? Something like a great movie, movie." And someone had been talking about the thing that day, and I was like. Let's watch the thing. Who hasn't seen the thing? And a bunch of people have never seen it. So I showed the thing to maybe seven people for the first time. The rest of everyone had seen it before. Uh-huh. And they loved it, Amazing. obviously. It was a small TV. Like how Ma- many inches? Like maybe 26-inch TV. Oh my God, 27 tiny inch TV. for 12 yeah. people. <laughs> for 12 people to be watching? We got pretty close to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the sound wasn't great. But <laughs> I hope you turn the lights off at least. Yeah, help. we had yeah. the lights off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So uh, that's just like our experience when we were kids watching movies, like on a shitty TV with bad sound. It's funny because I was I was probably for the most part the oldest person of the casting crew. You're so old, man. So, so everyone was like my. I kept calling everyone my kids. Oh my god, we're at that age, aren't we? 
well, yeah, we're only 33, but a lot of the stunties were in their early 20s uh, in crew and stuff. Little babies. Little babies. So we watched The Thing, which is obviously a 5 out of 5. It's a perfect film. It's a masterpiece. It's one of the best horror films of all time. It's one of the best movies ever made in general. You all know how much we love The Thing. And we did an episode on it several months ago. This past year 2023 great one man and i fucking love it it's a it's amazing you know we gush about it regularly because it deserves to be gushed about and john carpenter is probably the best horror director of all time at least in america for sure and there's not much else to say about this movie that we haven't already said you know it's just an epic it's a brilliant movie fantastic man I'm glad you showed it to people for the first time. That's a movie that it's like a lot of people don't are unaware of. Yeah, it was so fun. Or like they they don't th- or I think it's gonna be cheesy, and then they realize oh it's this is like one of the greatest films ever for real. Funny story about when we were, <clears throat> while we were watching it. So sure, one of the stunt guys, this really terrific person. He's maybe my favorite person I've ever met. Now his name's Dylan. Better than me. Better than you. <laughs> Dylan's the best. Dylan. And so did you call him Dylan? Yeah, all the time. All the time. <laughs> did he get it? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) He's the best. He's like my favorite person alive now. And so we had, we were staying in Coventry on this massive farm. It was like 100 acres. Sure. And we stayed in these beautiful brick cottages that they had on the farm. They usually rent them out Airbnb style sort of uh, for families and stuff like that. But we had 43 people staying here for about a week. And the first night we were there, there was only about 15 of us though. Mm -hmm. And basically what we were doing was kind of figure out how room arrangements in terms of beds and rooms who was going to sleep where a lot of people we were basically doubling up there's basically two people to a room sometimes usually two people to a double bed which is fine everyone got through it (laughs) it was just we all became very close (laughs) and so but for the first night everyone had their own bed and dylan had his own bed and everyone else did before 30 people showed up the next day and so we were going to watch the thing but dylan and someone else were going to start to room together the next night and so I was like, all right, so before we watch the thing, you all need to reset your rooms, basically. Make the beds and everything, get the clean towels out for new people when they arrive so that they have a new clean bed to sit in and so that when they enter, you know what I mean? Everyone got a clean bed when they arrived. And so I need them to clean their beds because two of the guys were going to just bunk together now after they had the first night of the bed to themselves. So <laughs> we uh, we have the thing loaded up. I'm about to hit play. And I told Dylan and, and the other guy, I'm like, you, you guys, before we start the movie, you got to go make your beds and make your, clean the sheets and everything and make it look like no one slept in that bed. Make it pristine for the new people to arrive. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah we got it. We got it. We got it. <laughs> so we, we have the thing loaded up. I'm about to hit play. And I looked at Dylan. I'm like, Dylan, did you clean the bed, make the sheets, <laughs> make it look brand new and put fresh towels on? He's like, Beer back, beer back. <laughs> so Dylan runs away like three minutes later, comes back. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's hit play. And we're about a minute and a half into the movie. Like the spaceship had just landed. And then I paused it. And I'm like, I got a hunch. I'm like, Dylan, so your bedroom is completely empty of all your belongings. The bed's completely made, new sheets, fresh, clean towels. He looks at me, he's like, I'll be right back. Be right back. <laughs> You're in dad mode. I, I love it. And then he comes back. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, man, hit play. And I'm like, we have to wait for Dylan. And so Dylan comes back. And I'm like, okay, Dylan, before I hit play, your bedroom is completely empty of all your belongings. It's brand new. Sheets made. New fresh towels. Everything clean. He's like, yes. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yes. And I'm like, all right, then we hit play. <laughs> Fucking dad James over Dil- here. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I was dad. But Dylan's Dylan's the best person ever. I love that guy. That's so funny. Have, just... I have so many memories with Dylan. <laughs> so many fun times. Why don't you go marry Dylan? I might. <laughs> I might. You just don't know him, man. If you knew Dylan, you know what I'm talking 
Dylan's a legend. All and right. That was the thing. That was my fun <laughs> anecdote about the thing. That was good. All right, let's move into the letterbox top four or five of our listeners. First up, we have a great fan of the show, Darren Cripps. My friends make fun of me for loving It's a Wonderful Life. I come here to find peace. I like that bio because I love a wonderful life. And if anyone makes fun of you for liking it, tell me their address and I'm going to go beat them up. Whoa! Because it's a perfect movie. Sounds so like, Sounds like a threat. To no surprise at all, Darren's first movie in his top four is It's a Wonderful Life, which I cried to on the plane ride home from Boston because fucking unbelievable. Oh my God, I love that movie. It's really good. Next up, we have Eternal Sunshine, A Spotless Mind. Excellent pick. Fantastic. Then we got Shutter Island. Amazing pick. Also, great poster selections, by the way. These are great. And then La La Land. Very tasteful posters. Very tasteful. I like the choices. I like the I like the top four. And then recently, Darren's watched Insomnia, The Aviator, and Prisoners. Fantastic Great stuff. taste in film. My God. Great taste in film. Insomnia, four stars. It is that good, man. It's, it's an excellent so movie. It really is. Prisoners, five stars. I agree with you, Darren. Thanks for, for listening, pal. And man, awesome posters. Great job. All right, let's move on to our next letterbox top four. Next up, we have Jackson Calabria. Cool name. <laughs> His letterbox name's Jackson Num Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Num Nuts. That's an old. Uh, That's like, a nineties. Like, yeah, yeah, we used to call each other Num Nuts all the time. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, I wonder, where, wonder where it originated from. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Num nuts. It was, it was very present in our lives as kids, though. All right, first up, Jackson has Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Hell yeah. One of the greatest action movies of all time. It could be the greatest action film of all it's time. It's up there. It's up there. And then we have uh, one of the best coming-of-age films of all time, Lady Bird. Great pick. And then one of the greatest recent anime films of all time, Your Name. <laughs> nice. And then one of the greatest war <laughs> films ever, Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> this is a really cool top four. It's very eclectic. We get a mix of everything. Action, coming of age, anime, and then war. I love like it. it. I like love, it. love. Love. And then recently, Jackson has watched The Thing, five stars as well. What a coincidence. Cabin in the Woods, four and a half stars. I agree with that rating. The Fly, five stars. I also gave it five stars. And Asteroid City, four stars. I also gave that four stars. Did we just become best friends, Jackson? So yep. James, James has... You have, what's his name? What's, what, your, what's you your guy's pointing, name? What are you pointing what's at? What's your me? guy's name? What guy? The, the guy from England that you Dylan. love. Dylan. You have Dylan. Now I have it. I have Jackson. Yeah, except you've never met Jackson. Yes, but that doesn't mean we're not best friends. Are you guys best? Oh, okay. We have the exact same ratings of these movies on Letterboxd. Well, I never said Dylan and I are best friends. Dylan's my son. <laughs> That's my child. That's my child. <laughs> I've never heard ja Dad James before. This is great. You want to see a photo of me and Dylan here? Yeah, I would you. love to. Here love you. Let me see. So, who's your? Let me see a photo of I, you and your I, son. I lost it's your phone background now. <laughs> no, it's me, Dylan, and Nathan. Let me but, see. Um, so, <laughs> he's a big kid. He's actually sitting on my lap in this photo. <laughs> he's massive. Yeah, he's a big boy. So we did this. We had this super fun game on set, where it's basically it's hard to explain. It's called uh, Odds On. What are the odds? Where you basically lose a bet, kind of. You you lose a dare. So you'll say, hey, Anthony, what are the odds that you run down the street with your shirt off? You can do anything or, uh -huh. like, or like drink or chug that drink, you know what I mean? And then you have to say odds like one out of 100, one out of 10, one out of 50, whatever you want. We were playing one out of seven, so it was very dangerous, this game, mm. because a lot of people had to do the dares that were asked. And they got pretty ridiculous. And so... I lost this odds on game where every meal for the whole day, 
I had to have someone sit on my lap while I ate, <laughs> while I ate food. So this is lunch, and I needed someone to sit on my lap as because I lost the game. And of course, I asked Dylan. I said, "Hey, Dylan, do you want to sit on my lap while I eat lunch?" And Sitting he, on Papa's lap. Yeah, he <laughs> screamed at the opportunity. <laughs> he sat on Papa's lap during lunch. So yeah, so um, cute. He's a big boy. We're, he must have gotten the size from his mom. He's probably like six two. Yeah. yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, he's one of the. He's he's a great stunt guy though. He's really terrific. But it's it the funnest game. We were doing it every day on set, and, <laughs> and when we were not on set, it was it was dangerous. <laughs> That's great. People had to do some crazy shit. One one. One what I've lost, I couldn't speak to one of the lead actors for a whole day. <laughs> Thank God it was a weekend uh-huh. because he was the main villain, but I couldn't. I had to pretend he didn't exist mm-hmm. for a whole day. And he sounded like a good good guy from what I, you would tell me about. Oh yeah, yeah, that he's, guy. He's so awesome. it's too bad you yeah. couldn't talk to him. <laughs> yeah, were you just like looking at him like I wish? I no, I had to pretend he didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Did he know? I, yeah, he he caught on quick, but like I had I had to pretend he didn't. So we'd all there's like thirty of us in, in a house. We're all over the place, and he'd be talking to me. I'd be like. I'd just be not looking at him while he's speaking to me. <laughs> That's great. All right, next up, we have DJ Kielsmeyer. DJ Kielsmeyer. <laughs> <Ba, ba, ba. laughs> I don't think it's DJ DJ. I think it's D It's D period, J period. Oh, still like, DJ. Yeah, DJ. <laughs> but Thor Cage is his uh, Instagram, is letterbox. <laughs> I love it. Speaking of Vikings. And then we got top four for DJ, The Big Lebowski. Nice. Open Range. It's a good Western. It really good Western. Oh, brother, where art thou? I'm sensing a big Coen Brothers fan. <laughs> and then Kill Bill, Volume 1. Hell yeah! Fantastic stuff. Recently, DJ has watched Starship Troopers. Fuck yeah. Spirited Away. Get Out. And Megan. Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Megan. Megan. All right, next up, we have Alex Woodman. We got The Pianist. Nice. Dead Poet Society. Amazing pick. American Gangster, mm-hmm. and my personal favorite film, There'll Be Blood. Fuck yeah, man. What a great list. Great list. And then honorable mentions, he mentioned Children of Men and The Big Short. Hell yeah. This is nothing but class, pal. Nothing but class. Next up, we have Johnny, Honest Opinion 69. <laughs> and then Johnny has Goodfellas, Amazing. obviously, Sideways, which you got to see, man. I know, I gotta watch it, yeah. You you would love it. You would love it. Moneyball. Best baseball movie ever. And then, what I think is probably the most underrated science fiction film ever, Contact. That's possible, yeah. It's so, so good. You know what else is a very underrated sci-fi film? What? Gattaca. Yeah, Gattaca is very underrated, yeah. I think Contact's better. I think Contact's way better, actually. Do you? Yeah. I think I might like Gattaca better. I watched Gattaca recently. I really liked it, but I didn't like it as much as I loved it as a kid, honestly. It was still great, but Contact, I think, is just really just such a stunning movie. And uh, Johnny, I'm glad you got on your top four. That's a great pick. Our final letterbox top four is our pal Zachary Heiser, all the way from West Virginia. We got Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm -hmm. Wonderful pick. E.T. Hell yeah. With one of the coolest posters I've ever seen on Letterboxd. Great, great pick. Check this out. Oh, that's marvelous. Yeah. That is a it's marvelous in, poster. So it's in the woods with a really dark blue color palette. palette, And then E.T.'s fam- um, sh- the ship descending on the forest with this red light pouring down into the logo E.T. Hell Fucking yeah. Fucking great. I Hell wanna, yeah. I want to own that poster. Wow. Then we got Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. What happened to your voice there? I don't know. Bubble. 
Got it. Got it. <laughs> As I was saying, inglorious bastard. <laughs> <laughs> And then, it sounded like you were possessed. <laughs> and then Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm sure Dawson. Zachary and Dawson could talk about that for hours. All right. Thanks to everybody for sending in their Letterbox Top 4. If you'd like to have yours read out on the show, all you're going to do is screenshot your Letterbox Top 4 and DM it to us on Instagram. All right. Let's get into the rest of our watches, Anthony. Okay, James. Anthony, how many you have left? I only got three left. I have four, so I guess I'll go first. First movie I watched was on my first flight. I, I flew for 18 hours on two flights, so I, I had quite Damn, a bit of time. Fucking, that's a long one. It's a long day. <laughs> that's what she said. So I watched The Equalizer 3 per Anthony's recommendation. Finally! Finally! What would you think? It was, it was sick. Yes. I gave it three and a half stars. Yes. Because I think it, it is a little slow here and there, but also the story itself isn't super original in terms of there's a a mob taking over a town you know yeah, 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 and yeah, this yeah. an enforcer yeah. basically just takes them out which is no big deal yeah i loved it still i had a great time the action is epic brutal stuff there's some cool action sequences or and acts that he did that i'd never seen before there were some of the kills, kills. I, I, they were very unique and yeah. very cool very creative. very creative yeah so i really appreciated that i i think i like equalizer 2 better mm-hmm and even Equalizer 1. But I still had a great time, and I really enjoyed it, and I love Denzel, obviously. And, of course, it's in Italy, in Sicilia, in Sicily. So it looked terrific. It was beautiful. And they did a great job really capturing the, the spirit people. and the soul yeah. and what it felt like to live there for real. You know, it felt like a, a real town. And it was like, I gave it four stars. When I, I loved it. Yeah, I know you loved it. Everyone um, in the neighborhood they, knows they, you loved it. They did a great job of, like, making you get a real sense for the community. And it gave, it gave us the audience real reason to root for who he was trying to protect. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't just like bad guys killing people. It was like it's he's growing to love this peop these people. They accepted him as one of their own. Exactly. And it's, and you're right. They captured the culture really well, rather than it just being a movie that looks cool in Italy. It was like you got the nuances of the community, of the culture, of life there. And I thought that was really fantastic. It was my. My favorite depiction of Italy in film in 2023. Wow. For an American Hollywood movie, obviously. Bold statement. Even more than uh, Dead Reckoning? Yeah, because Dead Reckoning was just action movie sequences. You know yeah, what I mean? But, it but was like, capture. It was sick, though. It was sick. It was great. It was better to look at, but like, didn't, none of the movies. The spirit. Yeah, the spirit of the, of the neighborhoods and the cultures. And Denzel, he did some pretty good uh, uh, Italian speaking, and he even spoke English in the structure of Italian. Yeah, like I go to the store, like I go to the store, and say instead of American would say I'm going to the store, he let because that's how they would say it in English. So I was like, that was a little nuance that with the language when he spoke English that I thought was really smart. Okay, I have one that's got you beat, man. Are you my sure next about movie, that? my next movie watched. Beat in terms of what? Everything being a better movie. Um, no, just in terms of the overall experience because I saw Tenet in IMAX oh, you bitch. on 70 millimeter film at the Universal City Walk, the biggest screen, the second biggest screen in California. And it was followed up with a conversation between Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve, and you would have you would have died. I'm so jealous. Like you have no idea because I got the email on February 1st. I left England on February 3rd. Got the email February 1st, <laughs> and I texted Anthony. I'm like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> that is what you texted me. That is exactly and what I texted you. So I gave it five stars, and I wrote. Still saw this masterwork. Then watched Denis and Chris talk about it afterwards. What an evening. So. 
seeing this in IMAX so again. So sophisticated. What an evening with my <laughs> friends. What an evening, everybody. Oh, I'm Anthony. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. I, you're jealous. I get it. Let it out. Let it out. What a quaint event. <laughs> quaint event. But um, seeing Tenet on that massive screen, it looked incredible on film. It sounded... That score, holy shit, in that theater... Insane. It's one of my most listened to scores. I, I, I'm so yeah. jealous you got to see it in theaters again. Yeah, I know that score by heart, and I hadn't seen it in theaters since 2021. So, I mean, just to see this on screen again was just... No, 2020 is when we saw it. Jesus. It was mind-blowing. and it, it made it even better on this rewatch. And I saw it with someone who was... It was Natalie. It was oh, her, her first time seeing it. And she was like... She actually... she never seen Tenet? she never seen Tenet. And I was like, this is a great first experience to see it. She was pretty much... She pretty much understood everything about it. She just had a couple of questions, but I... Well, she's wicked smart. She's wicked smart, and I, I helped, like, reiterate what inversion was multiple times before the film even started. So oh, she, so you gave her, like, a little... little, like, rundown of the of the yeah. science behind it. Yeah. And But what was really cool is uh, Nolan and Denis Villeneuve's conversation afterwards. They talked for 30 minutes, and, and Villeneuve grilled him about the movie, asking about shots and writing and, and uh, the concepts and the idea, and... Nolan came out with some really great facts and some cool tidbits that I had never read or seen before in interviews of his. And um, I didn't know, but he actually worked with Kip Thorne again to work out the science behind Inversion. Yeah, we talked about it in our episode. I, I, th- I guess I remember that, yeah. It was something I brought up, so mm-hmm. you probably forgot. Yeah, because you're so smart. I'm, um, thanks, but I'm just, you know, I just researched it. You know? yeah. <laughs> you're like, I do my job. So I don't know what you yeah, do. Know what, oh, you the do. guy who does his job, you must be the other guy. And on top of the screening of Tenet, we also got a sneak peek to Dune Part 2. So what they did was they showed a scene. Hate you, Anthony. They showed a scene in the film. I hate you. <laughs> you have done this to yourself. And then they showed a sizzle reel after that. So I won't tell you what the scene was. I don't want to spoil it. But it was about three minutes. And it wasn't even the finished scene, like the complete scene. It was about three minutes of the scene. But I'll tell you, man, it looks better. He shot some of this movie with IMAX film. And you can really tell, especially on that screen, in that display. And it just looked unbelievable. It, it surpassed the visuals of Dune Part 2. And I'm, I'm not just saying that, but it looks better. No, I believe it. The trailer looks insane. Yeah, and then to see the sizzle reel trailer on the IMAX screen, I was like, holy fuck, this is insane. The crowd fucking erupted. They were, Everyone was like, ah, let's go! <laughs> Dune Part 2 is going to be a, bo- a banger, I mean. Like, it's going to... It was unbelievable. Smash the box office. Unbelievable. It's going to be such a big hit because everybody's excited about it. Everybody's excited about it. And it was really just really f- such an experience, man, to see all of that in one night. And it really was. It really was. What an evening, man. What an evening. What an evening. What an evening. A lovely evening with my friends. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. I just Denis. call him Den. I call him Denny. Like Denny. Denny. Yeah. Why you call him Denny when his name's Denis? He asked me to. I think you're lying. All right, let's get to my next watch. Now that your amazing night's over with, I saw on the plane, just because it was there, Gladiator. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite movies. Why not, man? And, you know, Gladiator 2's coming out this year, so I figured I'd give it a rewatch. It's a great escape from a plane to watch a movie you love. Yeah, true. I just had so much fun. I really just wanted to watch it because I wanted to watch the opening battle. But then I watched about two hours of it before I, I uh, the plane landed. But... Yeah, I, just, I love Gladiator so much. You all know how much we, we adore that film. Maximus Decimus Meridius is probably my favorite character in the history of cinema. And 
Russell Crowe's amazing, but Ridley Scott is my guy. Ridley Scott's my guy, and yeah, you were talking about him on the Pulp Kitchen podcast. Yeah, so while I was in London, I went on the Pulp Kitchen podcast. Great chaps, lovely lads, and <laughs> we basically what they did is they interviewed me outside on the streets, kind of like one of those social media clips, like asking me a bunch of questions. And one of my questions they asked me was, "Who has the best filmography for a director?" And I answered Ridley Scott's to everyone's surprise, and then I explained my answer. And then we talked about my answers on their episode, which is really cool. So check it out. I was on there uh, about a week and a half ago, last Friday it posted. So Pulp Kitchen Podcast. Check them out. They're great movie guys based in London. And I, I think Ridley's just such, such a fantastic director. He's a generational director. You know, he's he's been doing it for fucking 60 years, you know, and turns out a movie every two years it feels like. And when he came out with Gladiator in 2000, you know, that was just an, an incredible film for what, they were working with you know 12, 12 pages of a script basically and kind of shooting it on the fly and making it up as they went in terms of what to say for for scenes and just writing scenes on the fly and sort of a sort of a magical hollywood film you know it, there's no reason it should have worked but it did and it worked so well and it became best picture winner and one of the best movies of the century even though it came oh, out yeah. in 2000 and it was just lightning in a bottle and you know movies We'll never. I know we say this a lot, but we'll never get a movie like Gladiator again. Not even we'll never the sequel. will. Not even the sequel. And I adore it so much. Me too, man. I'm glad you watched that. I like to. I'll either watch something new or I'll watch something I really love on a plane, just to like help with the experience of just you're stuck there. It's something about being on a plane where I'm, I'm very picky about what I watch too. If something's not reeling me in for like the first 20 minutes, I'm like next on JetBlue. They you, you can make a favorites tab now too. Oh. So I, what I do is I go through the entire catalog and I I'll favorite the movies that I want to watch. So I narrow down the list to like 10 movies, and then I'll look at the favorites list and I'll be like, what am I gonna do? What what am I gonna get, devote my time to? So I'm also very picky. Picky. <laughs> I remember when I was on the plane in December, like. Everybody, every girl was watching Barbie, and every guy was watching Mission Impossible. <laughs> when I went to take a picture, I looked back, and I saw all the screens. I was like, this is amazing. So funny, man. <laughs> all right, next up, my watch was The Right Stuff. Nice. Which is an amazing space movie, which came out in 1983, written, directed by Philip Kaufman. He's actually a really solid director. He also did Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, no way. And... This movie is phenomenal. I have never seen it, but I had always known about it. And then we just recently recorded an episode of our eight, the 80 best movies of the 1980s. And when I was scouring the internet for movies that would be on the list, this one kept popping up. And I was like, this is the only one I haven't seen. And I was like, I got to watch it if, to see if I should put this on the list or not. And so I watched it the night before we recorded. And when it was over, I was like, that's absolutely going on the list. And it's actually going pretty, pretty low on the list. So I give it four and a half stars. And I wrote, incredible, a visual feast, an inspiring journey well worth the runtime. This movie is gorgeous to behold. It was uh, shot by Caleb Deschanel, uh, Zoe and Emily Deschanel's dad. He's actually a renowned cinematographer. He's done movies like uh, The Passion of the Christ, The Patriot, uh, Killer Joe. He did the live-action Lion King, uh, Hunted. Uh, it's just an amazing, amazing movies. He's had a, he has, has a great eye. He also, the National Treasure movies he's done as well. I love that. But the right stuff is about the development of the NASA space program and how it started. So it started with test pilots who were at first testing aircrafts for the Air Force and for the Navy because they were trying to push the boundaries of the sound barrier. And the sound barrier had never been reached before. And so the first goal was, let's get to the sound barrier. Let's try to get a man to fly that fast. And so it took several years 
and the deaths of honestly dozens of test pilots mm -hmm. who died testing these planes out until they finally broke the sound barrier. And then after that, they were like, let's go Mach 2. Let's go Mach 3. Let's go to Mach 10. And so as engineers and companies kept building new, new uh, air, aircrafts, test pilots would test them out to try and get them to go as fast as possible. And this led into the space program that NASA developed in the 50s where they were developing – it was the space race against the, the Russians, and they w wanted to beat the Russians in space. And so their goal was we need to launch a rocket into space and get a pod up there. Uh, famously, the, a, monk, a chimpanzee was sent up um, as the first being in space for America. However, they wanted to send people up to compete with Russia. So they were trying to figure out who do we send up to, into space, and then it came to, became a no-brainer. We'd send up test pilots. They're the best pilots in the world, and they're the ones who can like handle these spacecrafts. And so then it became like this recruiting process of recruiting seven of the best pilots in the country to join NASA. And then from there, it was let's launch a pod up. All right, let's orbit the Earth. And so then the goal was, now that we're in space, let's do a new goal of let's try to orbit the Earth. Okay, we did that once. Now let's try to have someone up there to orbit the Earth for a week. And so they kept setting the bar higher and higher for what the goal was and what the tasks were. And this ultimately led to the moon program, with the Apollo program. But all the Apollo program only happened because of these test pilots and this program before it. It's a really stunning film. Incredible. It's three, and a half, three hours, 20 minutes, but it's worth it. Yeah, if you've ever read First Man, the Neil Armstrong book that Damien Giselle's movie is based on, the first several chapters of that book focuses on the develop well the first half really development of of not even the nasa program but what neil armstrong was doing before neil armstrong mm -hmm. even the opening of, of that movie he's just in a jet he's not working for nasa yet but he's yeah. he's testing the boundaries and the limits of of spacecraft and aircraft and dozens and dozens and dozens of pilots died and engineers died and that's why they're looking for engineers with pilot backgrounds or pilots with engineer backgrounds that's like the opening of that movie, what they explained. Mm. But that Neil Armstrong was part of that group, and he just fortunately wasn't one that passed away. But a lot of, there was a lot of crashes because they were just were just charting new territory, just new, doing new things. I gotta check it out. You would love it. I would love it because I love space. Especially after reading that book, I love space. I forgot you read that book. Didn't know you could read. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I I paused so you could say it. Paused so you could say it. All right, my next watch on the plane. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> Oh my god! How many times have you watched this in the last year? What does it matter? <laughs> What's the big deal? Is it hurting you in any way? No, it's not. I'm just curious. Uh, several, <laughs> probably three, probably three. How was this experience? It's great, even though it was on a plane. But you know, it's a masterpiece. It's ten out of ten. It's a brilliant film. It's great filmmaking. Uh, but every time I watch it, I pick up on new things that Alfonso Cuarón's doing. What'd you, you know? pick up this time? All kinds of things. Like what? Specifically, what? Too many to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Too many to tell. Did you know <laughs> there's a time turner in it? <laughs> um, no, because he's just such a detailed director. Yeah. And compared to the other Harry Potter movies, this is the best one objectively. And it's so well made. And I just love all the things that he does to add style to it. You know, he kind of takes like a Star Wars-esque approach to having fun with it in terms of things that you don't see in other films that he puts in this one specifically that they didn't even do in other Harry Potter films. I, I think more specifically is when he does the iris to dissolve transitions, which is really yeah. cool. So the iris is the, the dark circle where just a small part of the screen is in frame. It's a circle, and then it opens up or it closes. You know, it's like in The Departed, Marty does it's that. transition, Martin yeah. Scorsese does it sometimes. Yeah. It's a great transition, but no one else does it except for Alfonso Cuarón and the Harry Potter franchise. Things like that. 
But, you know, he's so meticulous, and there's so much detail everywhere in this movie. Actually, the last time I watched it was Christmas Day. Um, and I love it. They had three, and they had one on the plane. So I was like— That's it? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm like, I'm going to watch Azkaban. And, you know, for the 400th watch, it was fantastic. Does, I, I think that has the best uh, ending of any of them. Do you? Him flying on the oh, fireball. Oh, then, then the still the freeze frame. frame. Yeah, the yeah. freeze frame. It's that great. freeze frame is fucking great. Yeah. Whenever that happens, I just it just makes me smile. Same. With plus, that music. Plus the Marauders coming into play. The Marauders map is so much fun. And things that Alfonso did with this movie that really he started with the franchise in terms of uh, that became a regular thing is like the Lumos for the wand, lighting up mm-hmm. your wand. That was really never done in the first two movies. Mm-hmm. And it was cool how they started doing that as well as dressing and playing clothes often for the kids and re- roughing up and, and doing teen angst to the wardrobe of the ward with the gowns uh-huh. and, and the stuff like that. Have you seen the, the, the girl on TikTok who reads books, who's reading the books right now? She reads books on TikTok, so like, like out she, loud? No, she's just like a TikTok, like gives book reviews, TikToker. Okay. But she's super entertaining, and she has a huge following, but she started reading the Harry Potter series recently. For the first time. Yeah, and so she'll, she'll, she'll like make a video and be like, I cannot believe that... James Potter, Sirius Black was James Potter's best friend, and he betrayed them. <laughs> like, cause she doesn't know the twist at the end, so she's making she makes reaction videos to them, and they're so so funny. I have to send you some. I meant to send you some, but I figured you were too busy to even like register that they that, that you got them. Yeah, I didn't even open TikTok once. Yeah, exactly. But there are so many great reaction videos, and then there's like she's like finishing like Azkaban and crying and. Oh my God, her videos are hilarious. But like, like with that, with that one of her being upset about Sirius Black betraying her, his friends. Like the comment section was like, "Who's gonna tell her? <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna tell her?" <laughs> I'm gonna send you uh, her TikTok page because they are so so fucking funny. She better be careful with the comment section because people, I'm sure, would be will, will be trying to spoil. Yeah, it seems to be from what I saw, mostly just positive com- comments. But uh, it's hilarious. To, it's, to see her like relive, like living through the experience of reading these books because she had never seen the movies either, mm-hmm. so her reactions are completely pure. She has no idea what's in store when she's reading them. That's really funny. I'll have to it's check. Great. Send me her, her account. Yeah, I'll send it to you. You would love it. It's like she's made like ten videos and they're getting millions of views. And <laughs> it's just so funny. Watch it's her so, just be acting. <laughs> yeah, because she's she's just very entertaining and she's very um, charming. She has a great sense of humor. It's mm-hmm. just fun to watch her reactions to what's going on in yeah. these stories. I love it. All right, man. I only have one movie left, and it's a movie we actually just recorded an episode on for Valentine's Day. And we watched 10 Things I Hate About You. We're not going to divulge too much because we'll save that for the episode on Valentine's Day, the 14th, that Wednesday. But I gave 10 Things About You four stars, and I wrote, God, I miss Heath Ledger. This movie's really good. For a rom com, it's solid. It hits all the right beats. It's a little cliche, obviously, but it has a charm to it. And I think Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger really make the movie work with their connection and their chemistry together. Overall, it's a fun time, great great music selection, um, fun fun characters, great comedy. There's some really good comedy bits in this film, and especially like some old school like slapstick comedy that I always forget is in this movie. Allison Janney is in this movie. Yeah, I totally forgot. Um, but it's fun to see these actors so baby faced and so young. Uh, and all, overall, for a romantic team comedy. It's definitely one of the best for sure. I forgot to log it. You didn't log it? I'm giving 10 Things I Hate About You four stars as well. It's not a perfect movie by any yeah, means. Yeah, yeah. However, the nostalgia factor, the music, the wardrobe, the locations, yeah. and I mean, the cast is so sensational. And 
you know, rom-coms sort of maybe be coming back, you know, that Glenn With Powell one. Anyone but you. Sweet, anyone but you. People said it's pretty good. I, I got to check it Closing out. Closing on 200 million. At the box office? It passed to 150 million last week. Holy crap. So I love rom-coms and I miss them because they sort of died out. They weren't. They were still coming out, but they weren't any good. They died out in theaters. But this one was awesome, and a lot of rom coms, especially teen high school comedies, they weren't afraid to take shots. And there's some vulgar ass shit going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, some intense, not intense scenes, but you know, it it get, gets a little heavy here and there. But I think this movie's just excellent. It's just a feel good movie. It's smiling fun. a lot. Yeah. JGL, Heath Ledger, uh, Julia Stiles, David Crumholtz. The cast is awesome. Crumholtz is great. He's so great. funny in this. I really, I really love 10 Things I Hate About You. It's one of the best rom-coms ever. And it's one of the best high school comedies. You know, it's For that generation, for the 90s, it's probably the best coming out of the 90s. Yeah, it's really good. And it's we said it is. there's a reason why none of the team movies spoofed it so much because it was just so good. Yeah. All right. Was that your last watch? That was my last watch. Not that many this week. All right. Well, I have. But I'm going to make up for it. You're going to make up for it? Probably not actually this week, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, my final watch of the week was... The Dark Knight Rises. Nice. Just felt like watching it. It was excellent. It's long. It's long. 245, something like that. But it's so damn good. It's so under. I mean, it's not that. I love it. It's not that it's underrated. It's overhated. It's overhated, this movie. And I think people just need to give it another watch or give it another chance because it's excellent. So obviously, it's not The Dark Knight. But for a sequel that was supposed to have the Joker in it, but obviously couldn't with the passing of Heath. That was, you know, sort of reworked kind of on the fly. Not on the fly, but Nolan reworked what he wanted to do with it. And then to bring Bane into the franchise that he grounded in so much reality, how you take a character like that who's super powered, like up the ass in the comics <laughs> and the, the games and everything in the, in, the, in the shows. How do you turn him into a realistic figure? And someone who wears a wrestling mask and yeah, fit yeah, it true. into his world. Yeah. Well, yeah. I wouldn't say a wrestling mask. Isn't it a wrestling mask? Wrestling mask? Yeah, Bane's mask. It's not for wrestling. In the comics. No, it's like inspired by Mexican wrestlers. Oh, some of them. Yeah, some of the comics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought you meant in the movie. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean like in the... Well, I think there are different interpretations. Sometimes it's it's necessary for him to survive. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah. Um, But I I guess sometimes it's just like a a mask. And some of the cartoons, I think you're right. But usually it's a mask that keeps him alive or keeps him from being experiencing excruciating pain or gives him super strength. Super strength, yeah. 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 but it's one of those characters, like, because he's always massive in the books, in the shows, in the comic books, and even in the old movies. Yeah. Massive dude. Ground him. What's it look like? And I think he did a really great job, and Tom Hardy's sensational in this role. And it's the, the set pieces are awesome. Epic. And the opening plane crash sequence where they kidnap Dr. Pavel, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life in a movie. It really is. It's fucking un- – I don't know how they pulled it off. It's really incredible what they did. And that's just a show-stopping scene, and it's the opening of the movie, basically. It's fucking awesome. They do a great job tying into Harvey Dent in the second film, and his death, and the Dent act with with uh, Jim Gordon, and the secrets he's keeping, and sort of having to come to terms with the truth. And, you know, I, I love the, the themes of hope, how Bane gives people hope, just like the prison gives people hope. That's why it's the worst hell on Earth. It turns Gotham into the worst hell on, hope on Earth, because he gives the people of Gotham hope, which doesn't exist the hope isn't real like you, you have hope in that prison but you can't escape that's why it's so so which is despair the yeah, opposite despair. of hope is despair that's why it's the worst prison in, mm-hmm. the worst hellhole on earth 
I, I love the movie. I think Nolan did a terrific job with it, and it's epic. I love Dark Knight Rises. I love it. It's so incredible. It's so visually stunning and epic. And I mean, it has a good IMDb rating, but it does get a lot of hate online. People often say it's just like such a big step down. I don't think it's a step down from The Dark Knight. It's 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 hard to even follow up a film like that, but somehow Nolan, uh, he came up with a really satisfying tri- ending to the trilogy and. I really love it. I, I love um, Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. It's great. Yeah, she's great. She's, she's really great. terrific. Selena, Selena Kyle. Really, really charming. I mm-hmm. think she she's up there for me. It's it's tough to choose who's the best Catwoman. I think Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer is still the best. Yeah. Zoe's great as well in the new one, but I really enjoy Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway's fantastic as Catwoman. She really is. She's fantastic. She is. And the ending to this movie. Sorry, nobody told me it was unbreakable. Like, Oop, no, oops. <laughs> Nobody told me it was unbreakable. I love Uncrack- that moment uncrackable. when her posture just changes. Like Everything about her changes when she reveals yeah. Selena Kyle not being a maid. And Hans Zimmer's music is epic Holy in this film. Holy fuck. It really is. Great it's probably themes. my most listened to album. Is, is it? Is The Dark Knight Rises. That's my gym music. Interesting. Gotham's Reckoning, Imagine the Fire, and Why Do We Fall. Those rise. are my Yeah, Rise. Those are my, Fire Rises. Those are my most popular gym tracks. Interesting. It's that, and the ending's perfect. It's a perfect, perfect. ending. Perfect. I would probably, if you had, to, if I had to choose between either going on a desert island and watching all the Marvel movies, or being able to watch just the Dark Knight trilogy, I would probably t- choose the Dark Knight trilogy. I probably would too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's how much I love them. It's a pretty easy answer for me. Yeah. I love the Marvel movies. Yeah, the first three quarters of them. Um, I would pick the Dark Knight trilogy for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I rewatched the shit out of them. So, <laughs> yeah. and I oh, I gave Dark Knight Rises four and a half stars. Four and a half, nice. I love it. All right, I don't have any more movies. That's it. Well, welcome back to Letterbox. Nice having you here. It's nice to be back. Man. And uh, Nat- for everyone, Natalie will still be involved in episodes. She it just didn't work out with scheduling this time. So you'll you'll be hearing from her soon as well. And that's the best. But thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Letterbox Recap. Don't forget to watch our episode with PlayStation. We're hosting a goddamn show with PlayStation, Sony, Naughty Dog for The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered. The first episode is out now. Now. On PlayStation's YouTube channel. Link in the description of this episode as well as on our social media accounts. Please go comment on our social media clips and posts for this show so that Sony hires us again because we need the engagement, everybody. Leave comments, likes, and shares on the TikTok and Instagram clips that we're posting, as well as YouTube shorts. But don't forget to check them out. There'll be more episodes posting very soon. Oh, yeah. Take care, everybody. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.